1: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
2: You're listening to that Chelsea Podcast, episode 41 Bounce Back Ability. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm joined as always by Jack Davies. How are we doing, sir?
1: Yeah, happy to be back after missing last week's game. But yeah, top quality week for Chelsea. Big win today. And then I won my own football game today as well. So good start to the weekend.
2: Yes, exactly. Chelsea back to winning ways. And guys, we've got a very special guest for you. If you're on Twitter, you may well have seen him. He's actually been at Stanford Bridge, the lucky devil, covering Chelsea <laughs> under Thomas Tuchel. Um, it is Nishal Schwager Patel. Nishal, how are we doing, sir?
0: I'm very well, thanks. And it's really great to be on because I don't know if people know, but you were one of the first people you reached out to when you started the podcast. And I remember helping and seeing you guys rise from the very start. So it's really brilliant to see. Where the podcast has come to, so I'm really excited to be on and talk about the games.
2: Yeah, exactly. In fact, we unlike last week, we've got two, we've got two really good, good games uh, to discuss. As always with our guests, I get them to give themselves a little plug. And as I sort of mentioned earlier, Nishal has been at Stamford Bridge this season covering the games under Thomas Tuchel. So, Nishal, why don't you sort of tell the listeners if they don't know, you know, who you are and the sort of con, you know, tell them a bit about yourself and you know what you're doing.
0: Yeah, so, of course, my name is Nisho shwaga I'm a journalist and I'm also a big Chelsea fan. So, you know, I write and make a lot of content about Chelsea, which is the dream for me. You know, being a Chelsea fan and being able to cover the club I love is brilliant. So, like you mentioned as well, I've been at Stamford Bridge recently, which is just unbelievable. I've been lucky enough to um, cover games live and speak to Thomas Tuchel. So, I've really been able to see Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea up close and be in games behind closed doors during the pandemic. So, it's been brilliant. And um. If you want to see any of our work or any of the work I do, you can find my blog on nishalsblog.com. That's got all of my articles, videos, podcasts, you name it. Everything I've done will be on there. And you can also follow me on Twitter if you're not already, at nishal underscore sp. Find all of my work and everything that I'm doing in journalism.
2: Yeah, and all nishal's social links will be in the description below. Honestly, guys, well worth a follow. And he does put out some absolute brilliant content for you guys. Right. After we lost to West Brom, there was a little panic, you know, among the fans. But it's hardly surprising. It's Chelsea and, you know, this is what it's like. But we, you know, a big game against Porto midweek. I guess, the first first. Just over, over, overriding thoughts on that 2-0 winner against Porto in the quarterfinal.
0: It was a fantastic win for us and the perfect way to start the Champions League quarterfinal. Of course, the first time we've been there in seven years. So we could not let this opportunity go by. And truthfully first half hour was awful it was pretty much what we'd seen against West Brom we were dreadful no midfield Porto were having the best chances but credit where credit's due Porto were really good and they looked very threatening our first half hour so seeing that alone does remind me that even if we do play well in the second leg which I believe we will Porto will not back down and they will be giving us a good game but I'm delighted with a win you know we're fantastic in the final hour Mason Mount brilliant goal Ben Shilwell brilliant goal and we really came together and put a really strong European performance in again. Not to mention that we've not conceded in the Champions League knockout stages. And considering we've played for La Liga leaders and the Portuguese champions, that is some credit to a team who didn't even have Thiago Silva in the first leg of Porto. So, um, you know, it's really brilliant to have that 2-0 advantage, be halfway there. But that's the key thing. We're not there yet. We've still got a second leg to play. Porto have got their two best players, back in Bakantarimi and Sergio Oliveira they are going to go for it. They're going to fight with all their might because while we haven't been in a Champions League semi-final in seven years, I think for Porto, it's actually shorter, maybe just a few years, but no one is going to back down this easily for the chance um, for a place in the final four. So they will go for it and we're going to have to perform once again next Tuesday to book our place in the semi-final.
2: Yeah, we sort of mentioned we've not conceded a goal yet in the North side. We've actually only conceded two goals in the UEFA Champions League this season. Eddie Mendy has only conceded one goal in the UEFA Champions League. He's also now broken our record by a goalkeeper for most clean sheets in the Champions League campaign. And we will focus on him because he did have to bail us out a few yeah. times uh, in, in midweek. And this is a com- Jack. This is becoming a very common theme on this podcast. One individual we talk about in particular, Michelle mentioned the first 30 minutes were awful. I honestly was wondering what is the game plan here? They, were, they didn't, you know, Porto were just running all over us. And then a moment of brilliance. Jorginho plays a good pass, but it's all about that turn from Mason man and that finish into the yeah. bottom corner. The boy delivers his first goal in the Champions League. I mean, he just yeah. seems to, you know, knocking off these little mini milestones. What a player.
1: Yeah. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. There, he's yeah, he's top drawer, isn't he? You just everything about him on the pitch. You can tell he just he's so focused on his football. He doesn't think about all these outside influences, all these other things. He just wants to be the best that he can be. And he, in the words of someone like Harry Redknapp, he can go right to the very top. So it's it's been brilliant, especially this season. When the new managers come in, loads of people questioning what's what's he gonna be like under the new coach, etc. And he's just turned a lot a lot of doubters. A lot of my friends are now saying that doubted him previously saying actually he's a pretty decent player. I was like, right, you're finally coming to your senses. And then, yeah, the goal against Porto was was sublime. Just to take that first touch, he's got his back to goal and one touch. He's turned, facing goal, can get a strike away straight away. I mean, you could say keeper could have played, probably saved, should have probably saved it, but it's a t- top quality finish and something that was really important at that time and that period in the game, just before half time, getting getting us into the lead.
2: Yeah, Nishal, we're still seeing Mesa Mount is becoming a player in big moments for Chelsea. You know, there's no doubt that that the, the massive impact that goal had. It did, did sell us down quite a lot. And he has been a man providing you know some might use the word clutch to describe Mason Mount I think maybe you know and I understand where they come from but he's so much more than that and we see you know he drives this team forward doesn't he just how big an influence he is on this team especially under Tuchel
0: yeah there are so many factors that show why Mason Mount's such an important player look at Chelsea look when we don't have him on the pitch versus when we do we've seen the games where he's been rested he's been suspended he's not been involved and we just look flat sometimes in attack. We've just seen a big problem this season, even for years. And we don't look as good going forward without him, even when you know there are situations where he's you know, he's still playing, but he's the only player who really turns up. Leicester's the prime example of this, where it was probably one of our worst games of the season and everyone was dreadful. And Mason mount was the only player who was trying. And it says a lot, and especially when you consider, you know, we talk about these clutch moments, but for me. Mason Mount has really become a consistent player on the levels of Atla Questa but we've always praised him for being missed consistent But look at Mason Mount, game in, game out. You know, for a Crystal Palace game, for example, of course, the Plourdes will go to Christian Pulisic and Kai Havertz. But Mason Mount got man of a match. And that just shows that every game, he's doing so much, being so influential and contributing so much to his Chelsea team that while it may go under the radar because he doesn't get a goal, he doesn't get an assist, he's not the poster boy for that game... He's always so pivotal in every single game we play. So it really says a lot that a 22-year-old academy player in his second full season is so important. First on the Lampard, now on the Tuchel. And, you know, we're all full of so much praise for him. He's a wonderful player. He's my favourite player at Chelsea. And I think many fans would agree because he's just someone who not only understands the club but really plays for a bad, fantastic player. But you still see Chelsea fans criticise him and you still see supposed fans give him a stick in slander, which I don't understand. The only criticism I can really understand is maybe saying he's not got enough goal contributions and a big enough return. But then you have to remember, you know, if your comparison to Lampard, for example, in his second season, his numbers were pretty much the same. And even without those numbers, if we're just looking at what we see on the pitch, he's still our best player and he is our deserved player of the season. So, you know, the sky's the limit for Mason Man. And we could phrase him for hours and hours, but he's been fantastic this season. Yeah, he's now got, I think, after the Porto game, he had more actual
2: goal contribution in his first two seasons for Chelsea than Frank Lampard, who you sort of just mentioned there. So, yeah, I saw that. unfortunately, though, he didn't get an open play assist today, so it's no good, his contribution today. It wasn't an open play assist, <laughs> so apparently that's one thing that his, his haters uh <laughs> used to batter him with. But oh, we could talk about our other goal scorer, and I will also get onto to our other wing-back, who was f. Uh, but Ben Chilwell, again, you know, Jack, he's still been a player that, you know, he's been in and out the side as well under two. Called Marcus mm-hmm. Alonso, to be fair, has done a good job. But I thought, you know, he came in and that was a really, really strong performance from him midweek. And, you know, yeah. the wing backs, you know, he was pushing up, you know, a bit high, and he eventually got his reward, you know, pressuring the Porto yeah. defender and he manages to get his goal. But another top performance from Chile and scoring a crucial goal that has us Met you know maybe one foot in the semi-finals if that's as far as I'll go on 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 that but yeah a top moment from him you know a bit reminiscent yeah. of Fernando Torres rounding Valdez rounding yeah, at the Nou yeah definitely
1: camp. <laughs> yeah no big big moment for him personally as well because like you said he's been in and out of the team I still I still go by the fact that I think He's just doing doing that, playing Alonso for the experience. He knows that role, whereas someone like Chile hasn't played there as much. I think Tuchel knows going forward, Chilwell's going to be the man. He just needed the time to get to learn the ropes of playing playing slightly higher up and being able to get up and down the pitch, et cetera, um, in training and things like that. So it's, it's taken some time, but yeah, and it's nice today as well, seeing him play, he seems like he's starting to get a bit of consistency in the team at the moment playing for England as well and yeah he was top top draw and that just it it sums up the I think it's someone like Mason as well which just sums up the fire that these these boys have in their belly it's the 85th minute or whatever it was and he's still going and pressing closing down it didn't really seem like a mistake was going to happen there and he's forced that and very coolly taking that round the keeper. I thought he was gonna try and like slot it past him with his left foot, and he has the balls to take it round him and and poke it home with his right peg. And like you said, it it was a bit like bit like Fernando, but massive for us going into that into that second tie. That goal. Uh, you can't rule anything out in the Champions League, but you would you would like to think that that's us almost there.
2: Yeah, exactly. Before I want to get on to Eddie Mendy, who made some crucial stops for us, Nashal Rhys James, you know, UEFA interestingly gave man of a match to Jorginho, um, you know, which was caused quite a bit of debate, but I thought Ree- for me, Rhys James was, was that outstanding candidate. You know, I didn't think he put really a foot wrong, you know, another strong, strong showing for him. And again, he's another player that's sort of growing into this role under Thomas Tuchel.
0: Yeah, just quickly on Jorginho, it was an interesting choice for man of a match. And I read that the UEFA technical advisor basically gave a base on the assist, which was interesting because it was a good assist, but before that he was useless and he was very poor. <laughs> so, interesting choice. But Rhys James is actually my man of a match. He was superb against Porto, really bullying. I think Jesus Krohn on that side, you know, fantastic on, on the right flank, really dominating it, controlling the ball, you know. And the classic wing-back performance that we've seen and we know that it's possible of Rhys James and it's been really good to see because, you know, yes, he's a great player and we have, we're full of a lot of praise for him. We've also seen the odd performance where maybe he's struggled or he's not been able to claim a stake in a team with Callum Hudson-Odoi coming in. So seeing him perform so well, not just at, in a general level, but at the level of a Champions League quarterfinal, final deserves huge praise. And, you know, he was fantastic, you know, did quite well again when he came on against Crystal Palace, but Porto was a prime example of how Reece James can play as a wing back, and it's also you know it's difficult kick for him because you know naturally he's right back. He played as centre back in the youth team, and playing as a wing back may not be his natural position. Same goes with Ben Chilwell, but credit to both of them, they've done really well because full back and wing back, yes, they're pretty much similar positions, but on the other hand, they're not. You know, you need even more power and stamina to be a wing back. So for these two players to be playing so well, you know, attacking with such firepower. And defending, you know, so solidly, especially with what we've seen in Marcus Alonso before, it's been brilliant. And Rhys James, an outstanding performance against Fulton. and more to
1: come hopefully this season. Yeah,
2: Jack Mendy's good, isn't he? I like him a lot, I'd <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah,
1: you like know. you said, I was going to say, God, we made him work for his for his weekly wage in that game, Jesus. Um, but I think we've we've touched on it before and just said, in in the games. So a lot of the games that we've had under Tuchel, that he hasn't had to do much, but he's still clearly very switched on and pulls out saves when he's had to. But um, on Tuesday, it was almost almost like firing squad at a few points in that game, and he made some brilliant saves and kept us in the game there at that, at that moment in time where they were they were on top of us really. So. Just another top performance and he just he just is he's, he's racking up the clean sheets like there's no tomorrow, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly.
2: Before we move on, just a quick yes or no. Did we maybe get away with Azpilicueta pushing Morega in the box? Nishal, was that... Did we get away with one or...?
0: No. Yes, it was a push. There was contact, but he went down so softly, and there was nothing. And you see that all the time in the box and all over the pitch. And it depends. Like if Azpilicueta really went, really went in with force and was violent, sure. But I don't think he got away. But the referee was right there, and it wasn't as cynical as it seemed to be. Fair enough, Jack.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Not. Not like the one in the last round. That was. <laughs> that one was definitely a penalty. But. The one against Porto the other day, no, not for me.
2: Fair enough. Fair enough. It was a good, good start to the week for Chelsea and it got even better. We scored more than two goals in the game under Thomas Tuchel. That did happen. (laughs) Yes, that did happen. We just battered Crystal Palace 4-1. And some of that football, that, that honestly, that was the best, you know, that was the best, certainly that first half, best 45 minutes. We've played under Thomas Tuchel so far, which is so crisp, the passing, you know, we look so, like such a well old machine. Obviously, the big news was that Timo Werner was dropped to the bench. Front free was Christian Pulisic, Kai Havertz, and Mason Mount. Nishal, Kai Havertz, he turned up today. You know, we did I didn't actually we didn't sort of mention it uh in that first in the first part of Porto, but him and to be fair, the whole front line did struggle against Porto many due to the fact that you know the the lack of service they've gone, how disconnected our game was and how at times it was hoofball but today that was a you know a really encouraging performance from Kai wasn't it
0: we saw the best of Kai Havertz today and what he is capable of And unsurprisingly it was as a false nine because out of his um, performances this season the three I'd pick out would be Barnsley where he scored a hatch in September Everton where he played as a false nine and today against Crystal Palace and he really excels in that position and it's interesting because he does that at the expense of three strikers Giroud, Abraham, Werner all on the bench but he was so brilliant and as he got the first goal he just grew with more and more confidence you know we saw him just keeping up with his knees in the penalty box to have that sort of confidence you know we wouldn't have dreamt of that even a month or two ago so to see him you know in that main in that um, rhythm and feeling really confident is really good to see especially after a difficult season the question is do we have to play him with a false knight to really unlock him or can we move him back out to that inverted winger, and 10 behind the striker? Or can we play him elsewhere? Because under Lampard, the big issue was he was never really playing in his preferred position. He played as an eight. And yes, he could do a job there and attack a midfielder. But he wasn't really as involved and further forward in the attack to really be playing to like him. And now with Tuchel playing as that false nine, you know, he just looks like he enjoys his football so much more. And the two goals we saw today, with um, one goal... I beg your pardon. It was just a wonderful, wonderful goal. The confidence to just steal the ball off Eze, drive into the box, and a wonderful, wonderful finish into the Boston corner. And it's been long overdue for Havertz. And for us, you know, £72 million. Of course, we're getting impatient. We want to pay our dividends. And today was a prime example of what Havertz is capable of. This may not be something we see consistently right now. You know, he needs to hit his stride. He needs to get enough game time as a false nine or in attack. But if we see more of this Havertz and he, you know, finds his confidence and really does hit his stride in the long term, we are going to have that superstar talent on our hands for years to come.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I think that impression from the first goal, life, but he actually made it himself. He wins the ball back. And then, you know, it, it gets played into his path. And a really cool, cool finish, I guess. Only disappointment with Kite, he probably could have had a hat-trick. Honestly, the chances he got, position he got into. But that was a really encouraging showing. Jack, playoff no, period, especially- I oh, oh, Go on. No, going no, I was, was just gonna, gonna say
1: I thought especially that the chance and late on in the game on his right foot, he, he's got to try and stick that away realistically. But you you don't want to hammer him because that was that's his first Premier League goal since October and and he was brilliant today. So you just we've just got to hope that he can start. He said it in his in his interview after that he needs to just keep the consistency and keep pulling out performances like this. Week in, week out, and then we'll we will if if we can do that, we'll be seeing a proper proper player. Yeah,
2: the other well, one of many standout state Christian Pulisic, Captain America, playoff Pulisic, as I've sort of d- I dubbed him last week. You know, we get getting into that crucial run of games now towards the end of the season, and Jack, what a performance from the boy! You know, his first goal, very reminiscent of a goal he scored against Palace last year. And then again, yeah. we see him getting in at the end of a cross from Reese. You know, one. You know, thankfully, a Reese Cross finally got the respect it deserved. <laughs> um, but also, we see. You know, see Pulisic score the type goals. But actually, Frank last year was wanting this team to score more. Of you know, putting those danger crosses and someone arriving, yeah. it in. But a really encouraging showing from PewDie today.
1: Yeah, like you said, the first first goal was first goal was very well taken on the weak foot. Both of them were just weak foot today, weren't they? But um, yeah, yeah but down the same end and everything. I think it was very. Clearly, lights. Clearly, lights going down to Sellers Park. But yeah, it, it's really that was really encouraging for me to see because I have, uh, not, not not hammered him, but I've said he need he needs to do more um, this season. So many so many chances that he's been given and he's not really taken it. Just he's had his struggles with injuries and things like that. But he just at points was seeming seemed to be like a almost a shadow of what he was at, at the end of last season after the lockdown. But um, it's good to see him looking much sharper. And like you said, with the second goal, someone blooming following in just gambling that they might got get on the end of that. Cause you think one of the defenders might clear it, but if you gamble, you you get your just rewards there and he sticks it, sticks it in the back of the net and, and kills the game really. So, yeah, no, I I was yeah really happy to see him perform well today. Yeah, you know, don't want to, don't want to big him up
2: again because we've just done that already. But Mason Mount, you know, he got Sky's Man of the Match. Um, he got the, you know, he provided the ball for Kurt Zuma to head home. Kurt Zuma to head home his fifth Premier League goal of the season, which now I think probably makes him our second top scorer. Um, but you know. Nishal, aside from, you know, just that delivery again, Mason, you know, another top performance, as you sort of alluded to earlier, I guess this type of performance, you know, we're getting fairly used
0: to and it's kind of the norm for Mason now. It is the norm and it's also what we expect for Mason to be this involved, to have these numbers, you know, touches in the box, assists, goals, key passes, interceptions, everything you want from a midfielder and attacker. We're getting that in Mason, man, and really credit to him to be playing at such a consistent level. You know, like I said, in his second season, 22 years old and already establishing himself as a key player. And especially when you consider, you know, 72 million pounds, Kai Havertz, 54 million pounds, Timo Werner, 35 million pounds, Hakim Ziyech. We have expensive attackers in this team, but it's Mason Man, the boy from our academy, the boy from Portsmouth, who's really taken his team by the of its neck and dragging us through Champions League, the FA Cup, top four race. And, you know, it's wonderful to see an academy player doing so well. Someone who's previously, you know, been doubted, being criticized, being slammed. People question whether he's going to make the team or even make the first team up from the academy. But he has just been outstanding recently in the season. And today, or even Saturday, um, against Crystal Palace was just the perfect example of the fact that he doesn't need to be scoring a hat trick every game. Or he doesn't need to be scoring a bicycle kick every five minutes. But it's about having that key involvement, creating chances, you know, getting the assist for Kurt Zuma, albeit from a set piece, which will upset some certain Chelsea fans, and having that involvement and being really active in attack. That's what we need from an attacker, from our attacking 10. And you know, it's wonderful to see. I'm sure Toko is very happy with that. And the best thing about it is, he's nowhere near his prime 22 years old. He's got another three, four, five years before he really hits his peak. And to think that at this stage of his career, to be doing so well and already be the key player on course to be our player of the year, and he's not even into his second season, and he's got so many years ahead of him, it's really exciting, and it's a pleasure to be able to watch him and see how key and how crucial he is for Chelsea. Yeah, no,
2: I couldn't agree more. Mason Mount sums yeah. <laughs> up <are> well. Mason <laughs> Mount is rather good at this football thing. Enough, and news water is wet. Um, right, gonna move on. To some questions here, because also it gives me a chance to, you know, bring up another individual today. Uh, first question comes in from good friend of the show, RJ. He goes, firstly, brilliant guest in the show. Secondly, my question is, who do you think will line up in the front three against Porto? Nishal, what would
0: your front three for Porto be? Truthfully, I don't see any reason to change this front three. The first time we've scored more than two goals under Tuchel, probably the best attacking performance we've seen under Tuchel. And in a game where we'll need to, you know, let's be honest, get another goal to really get that three-goal cushion and kill the tie-off, why would you change anything? I think the only change I could really see is bringing Olivier Giroud, but that would be sacrificial of Kai Havertz or someone like Christian Pulisic. And none of that front three really deserves to be dropped. So I would be more than happy to keep the same. Of course, I'd love to see Tammy Abraham for visiting the game for him. I'd love to see Olivier Giroud but I'm not sure if it's worth sacrificing someone for him. You know, rather we just bring him off the bench. Hakim Ziyech is another option. You know, it's not like we're short of options for that front three, but I don't see any reason to change it whatsoever. Fair enough. Jack, I'll ask you the same question. Why would Clowns fans
2: maybe is the fact that we're 2 nil up from the first leg and we have also, you know, seems like Chelsea have got Wyatt, one eye on, you know, the next game quite a lot. We've got Manchester City... Semi final mm-hmm. in the FA Cup, and maybe you want to play this front three. that just played against Palace, against City. So therefore, would you be tempted to maybe rest one of the front three um, that played today? Especially as maybe the fact that you know it might be a game where I think we were better without Timo today. But maybe you know you bring Timo in for Pulisic. Maybe just because you don't you want to rest Pulisic for City? Is it one of them, or
1: I think any of them. Like these players are capable, they can come in and do a job. But um I think I think I agree. Uh I'd I'd stick with the same same three. I think if we go and get that first goal, kill the game, you can bring those boys off sooner and get the likes of Giroud or someone like that. Cause I thought when Giroud came on the other day, um he was he was important holding the ball up, playing these one-twos with everyone. So I, th- I think I'd go about, go about it in that, in that manner, try and kill the game off, then take these boys off and rest them for the next game. Fair
2: enough. RJ's second question. What did you make of Callum Hudson-Odoi's performance day? Obviously, he was back in the side, starting in that wing-back role. Nishal, I thought, you know, obviously he, he assisted Kai for the first goal. Um, you know, maybe at times, you know, that's just that end product, you know, not quite there, but I thought it was, you know, a fairly encouraging showing from, Kyle, uh, from Callum in his 75 minutes on the pitch today.
0: I was really happy to see Callum Hudson-Odoi because I think out of most of our players, he's been one who's kind of struggled at times to get into the team, you know, being hooked off after half an hour against Southampton, barely being um, on the start 11 sometimes. But he was brilliant today, really positive going down on the right-hand side and playing in behind the Mason Mount and Kai Havertz, He feels like he has more of that space because you've got two attacking midfielders there or, you know, just attackers in general who are going through the half of the defence and really going to that. Whereas Callum hudson Toy has that space at wing-back, which is something he really flourishes from. And he was he had a really um, encouraging game today. Maybe he could have got a goal or an assist, but that's being very, very picky. I was really impressed of him. And good to see him back in because, you know, it's, difficult with Reese James, he's in good form he's been dominating that spot at times but as we've seen, Hudson Adore is a wing back, while well, at first I was really really surprised to see that, it makes sense doesn't it, as a winger you know he does have that defensive mindset when needed but playing as a wing back almost gives him more freedom and even more space when you've got a 3-4-2-1 and those attacking players playing a bit more deeper and rather than being out wide and sticking to the flanks, they're going in and down the half the midfield and the attack. So, Kalamad's going another really good performance. Hopefully, it keeps him in contention for the Euro squad. And, you know, it keeps him in contention for Tuchel as well in a very competitive squad. Yeah, I just realised two players I actually feel
2: like deserve a bit of praise I didn't mention previously. Jack, fair play to them today. The Jorginho and Kovacic midfield, I thought, worked really well. You know, against Porto, so there were at times where I thought they were a bit lax, didn't offer much protection. They, I feel they grew into the game second half. But today, I felt they run their show. And one thing was so nice to see, expansive passing from them. Yeah. You saw, I mean, mm-hmm. the the Kovacic diagonal to Callum on the other side of the pitch was on so many times today. And I actually mm-hmm. thought, you know, the midfield too, that's what we want more of from them. Because we know they're yeah. not amazing defensively. We know they've got their yeah. limitations, but we want to see that more progressive, offensive passing. in front. Of and to be fair <laughs> today, they were pinging balls all over the place. And they were really, really good today, <laughs> I thought.
1: No, they were. They were. And also just going back to like, the Porto game quickly when Jorginho played that pass into Mason. That's a progressive, firm pass straight into a man, um, and that's are those kind. Those are the kind of players that I think most fans love to watch. Someone like a De Bruyne, etc. They play, they zip those passes into people. They take the risks. They don't just knock it about around the back. And yeah, seeing them take take more risks and and play those play those more expansive passes is, is, is really good, and yeah, they perform well again today, so um, yeah, we just got to hope they can keep doing that.
2: <laughs> yep, Georgina, apologies for all the stick I gave you on the pod last week, you were very good today, <laughs> you were very, very good today, and so was Cover. you know, they did certainly run the show, and, you know, I think we got an indication that Georgie pro- may well be starting midweek, in fact, he was subbed around the 60 minute mark for Kante, Next question comes in from Dean Mears, good friend of the pod, I believe he's on the show next week. He goes, what was the performance we, was that the performance we've been waiting for or is there more to come? I guess, show you know, we did score more than two goals. We were waiting for that to happen under Tuchel. As good as we've been under Tuchel, there was, you know, there has always been, just, you know, in the final third, we're not there yet. But today we probably could have scored seven, I think. Honestly, you know, the chances we missed, you know, was that the performance we've
0: been waiting for and is there more to come? We could have hit seven like Liverpool in the way we were playing, attacking going forward. And it's also a really interesting criticism that we have to have, that we hadn't scored more than two goals when we'd been unbeaten. And that was one of the things where we said, well, we haven't done that. That's where we need to improve on. And like, you know, today and on, um, against Crystal Palace, perfect example. Really, really out of the blocks, quickly. Two goals in two minutes, eighth minute, tenth minute. That's what we need. Be quick, be attacking go straight for it rather than trying to build into the game or settle in. And that's the difference we saw as well between Porto and Crystal Palace against Porto. We didn't get into the game straight away and we were very apprehensive against Crystal Palace. We went straight for it. We went straight in and tacked and, you know, it paid off getting four goals on the afternoon. It's a great indication of what we can expect to see of Chelsea at our peak, but there's definitely more to come when you consider, um, first of all, the COVID implications, for example, you know, we're playing a game every three to four days and that's going to change in a year or so. Hopefully back to the normal schedule of one game a week in most situations. Then you've got to think about having a full-strength squad, you know, more stability of the back of Thiago Silva, uh, bringing in new players, having a full-strength squad and a real understanding of what Tuchel's strongest team is. So this is a really good indication of what we can expect and Chelsea at our best, so there's definitely more to come because with all due respect, that was Crystal Palace. so a very good team. But if we can repeat that sort of performance, you know, 4 5 nil against someone like Manchester United or Manchester City, then that's a really new level yeah. that we would love to see. And it would really show that we're up there to compete. So there's more to come. And if we're going off what we've seen today and under Tuchel, it's going to be brilliant to watch. Yeah, Jack, you know,
2: we've played some, you know, fairly ropey sides, you know, under Tuchel so far. And we've, you know, not killed them off while like we should have. Palace today, you know, we killed off early. You know, with maybe the fixtures, you know, we've got coming up. Obviously, we know Brighton. You know, they play good football. And they do cause a big problem, big sides and problems. Mm-hmm. Fulham as well. But are these, you know, perhaps chart. You know, games where we might, you know, hopefully see Chelsea be that bit more clinical. And we might see a few more big score lines.
1: Definitely, I think these these fixtures that are coming up are, are massive for the rest of the season. When you see we've got the likes of Arsenal, Leicester City right at the end of the season. Um these are the games we need to be picking up maximum points. And if, if we can go and put in big performances like that and whitewash teams, then it's only going to be good for when we play the other big boys because they're going to think, Blimey, these boys are in are in decent form. We're going to have to be on the top of our game to, to dispatch them today. So yeah, I definitely think when when you see likes of Brighton, Fulham are struggling, um, we need to go and try and put in a big statement.
2: Yeah, no, exactly. And obviously, you know, we did, we came through that difficult run of fixtures under Tuchel, you know, which a lot would say be make or break. And we actually got out into a position where the top four was in our own hands. We controlled our own destiny. Obviously, we then lost control of that with the West Brom defeat. But, you know, this run of games we've got coming up before, you know, is about those difficult fixtures you mentioned. This has now got to be the time where we really do you know capitalise and go on a run and you know get top four because from the position we were in we got ourselves into it would be pretty inexcusable to miss out on top four especially when we see performances like we did today right guys we'll be back in a set for part two to continue answering your questions (music) Welcome back to part two. We're still answering your questions. Next questions relate to Timo Werner. We've got about three of them, so I'll include them all in one. Jay asks, are we worried about Timo's place after the t- performance today without him? John asks, is this for front three moving forward? We looked a lot better without Timo on the side, even if it is just one game against the poor side. Harry, is it is the elephant in the room the absence of Werner? I ask this as someone who backs him still and has his name on my shirt this year. We were undeniably scintillating without him today. Obviously, Timo Werner is, you know, one of the big talking points around Chelsea. His goal-scoring form is poor. But we're putting it kindly, it's poor. One goal in his last 20 or so games, you know, he didn't start today. And <laughs> and we score more than, you know, two goals in the game under Tuchel. It's kind of natural, I guess, for people, you know, to ask a question, Nishal, should we sort of be worried about Timo, you know, going forward under Tuchel, given perhaps that, you know, well, I think we've seen, we certainly saw some, you know, good performances from Timo at the start of Tuchel's reign you know, Sheffield united Newcastle game, he was, you know, having important pass, but he's maybe not been, he's been quite, quite recently. Should we maybe be a bit worried about Timo Werner and how he fits into this Tuchel side?
0: In the short term, yes. In the long term, no. He's going through a bad run of form. Like you said, he's got one goal in 22 games now, I believe, in the league. But on the other hand, he's also got 21 goal contributions in 41 games. So it really depends what numbers we look at. On one hand, he's been providing, getting lots of assists, also hit double figures for the season. On the other hand, he hasn't been good enough. He hasn't been scoring enough and he hasn't been contributing enough. And it's no coincidence that as soon as we finally drop him out, which, let's be honest, is very overdue. We score four goals. We look superb in attack. We look at our very best for pretty much a few months in our best performance in attack. And it's unfortunate on Team Werner, but we go off meritocracy. We go off the strongest players. We have a deep and competitive squad. If Timo Werner isn't performing, look, it doesn't, it's not about agendas or preferences or anything. If a player isn't performing, they should not be starting. And that was the case with Timo Werner. So, yes, it's, it's a shame to think of him out of a team, sitting on the bench and not being involved in these crucial final two months. But we look so much better without him today. And for me, I believe it's just a case of giving him of a few games or a f- few weeks out. You know, bear in mind, he's been playing non-stop football since you know, pretty much last season in June, going from Project restart straight into the English season. And yes, that's been the case for a lot of players, but it's different for everyone. He found it difficult. It's not been the easiest first season. And that's something I feel like a lot of people do forget, but he's still in his debut season. And we're not going to see the best of Timo Verna straight away. Same, we won't see the best of Hakim Ziyech or Kaya Havertz because they're in their first season. They're settling in. They're finding their feet in England. So we'll wait till next season, really see the team of Werner we know and we came to love at RB Leipzig. But, you know, for now, don't play him if he's not performing. We've got um, attackers who are performing. Mount, Ziesch, Hudson-Odoi, Havertz, uh, all performing better than Werner. They should be starting ahead of him. That's not a debate. The debate is more on, do we keep faith in, in um, Werner? Excuse me. Do we stay loyal to him? In my opinion, yes. We cannot lose our back end. We've got to stay faithful to him. We have to know that the player who was tearing up in the Bundesliga last season and is one of the best strikers in Europe, he's still there and he will be back soon.
2: Fair enough, Jack. So, you know, perhaps as harsh as it sounds, a bit long overdue dropping Timo, you know, especially as we've seen the likes of, you know, Pulisic's performance recently. You know, obviously the fact that, you know, Tammy Abraham's not played since that Southampton game and he's still our top scorer in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, long overdue dropping Timo today. Yeah,
1: definitely. I can't agree more with what Nishal just said about it all. Um, yeah, it's a long time coming. At the end of the day, he's Tuchel has given him countless chances and opportunities, and he's still not performing to the expectation that we've we've had of him this season. And when you see the likes of. Tammy's not even in a squad. Giroud can't play, and you're seeing him keep putting in these performances and not scoring goals, not providing, and at times just struggling, just even to like control the ball, like make simple passes, things like that. Um, you think for those players, and they're thinking, what have I got to do to get an opportunity? And he's being played every single week. So, yeah, I think it was it was the best thing to to drop him down to the bench today and like we said we played really well so can't see can't see him starting the next game or the one after that really but again off the bench he, he could be he could be a, a pretty big asset with his with his speed etc late on in games so he could start use that as an opportunity to hopefully then score a goal contribute and then that could start to build his confidence up rather than starting him from zero minutes etc and struggling
2: yeah no I agree with that completely I think with Timo we've got to manage him carefully and it's not like we don't have the options who can't play there you know we saw Pulisic come in today and tear it up and we know when on form a fully fit Pulisic is a sight to watch he's one of the most dangerous players in the league you know it's just a question of keeping him fit you know we saw what Kai can do today Mason is just Mason Mount he is just brilliant he is just consistent um so we know there's the options there and look I think you know Timo's had a rough time understandably there's people who you know it's understandable people you know have doubts lose faith but you know I think you know time on the bench and as i said if his opportunities arise if we're in a situation where a team's chasing a game you know then he can get thrown on and maybe he can just grab a goal for his confidence on the counter track something like that but I don't think moving forward have, I,
1: I, go on can have another Toro's moment
2: <laughs> yeah exactly he could, he could i just i you know I think we We've got the options. We, Timo Werner doesn't need to be starting every week. Christian Pulisic has showed, you know, given how he performed they given to be fair, how he performed against Porto, given how he performed against West Brom, he deserves a, a run in the side at the moment. So, yeah, I think team, team, if Timo sits on the bench a bit, that's honestly fine by me because it's what this team needs results at the end of the day, first and foremost, as well. Uh, next question, Dan Hill. I'm a massive fan of his, so I can't help but ask this question. Is this the dawn of Kai Havertz? What did you think today? It feels, you know, it's all feel, you know, I feel like we've had this before after Everton. This is it the dawn of Kai Havertz. You know, it feels I don't want to get carried away, um, Nichelle, because you know, there's still things we can work on, but is is it the dawn or is it too early to say, or is it just, you know, a step in the right direction and nothing more or less not get too carried away?
0: I wouldn't say the dawn, but rather a glimpse of what Kai Havertz is um, capable of. You put it perfectly, you know. Yes, we said it after Everton, and then he went a month until we've said it again. So, uh, right now it's a cycling and as we've said, it's been difficult to have it it's his first season, and he's had a lot of struggles here. But seeing these performances here and there are just a glimpse of what we've seen, what we know he's capable of from Bayer Leverkusen, from Germany, and also now for Chelsea. And it was a superb performance. You know, real pleasure to see him playing so well. And like I said earlier in the podcast, playing so confidently, something that is a huge factor for players and something Timo has lacked, something that Kepa lacked previously, something that Marcus Alonso lacked. But see Kai Havertz play with that swagger and that style that we've seen and we've grown up with um, watching him in the past. is really refreshing to see. So it's something we will see in the long term. You know, as he hits his stride and as he really finds his feet and gets into this run of form, we will see this week in, week out. That will really be the dawn of Kai Havertz. And, you know, if he performs against Porto, if he plays, if he performs against Manchester City, Brighton, and so on and so forth, then it could be the dawn. You know, who knows? But at this moment in time, it's just another little glimpse and a little snippet of what Havertz is capable of. And we'll see with some other players, we'll see Timo Werner finally hit form and say the same. It's a glimpse of what he's capable of. The same can go for a lot of players. You know, if Fikari Tomori returns, um, if Mark Gurley comes in, if Billy Dormer comes back in, you know, he can go for every player, but we really did see today what we can expect from Kai Havertz in the future. Yeah, Jack,
2: you know, if things go to plan, you know, Kai Havertz could be playing in plenty more big games as well this season. You know, a chance to really show us what he's about and come good at the correct time of the season.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, like, before, before he started having a few a few more like eye-catching performances recently earlier in the season when he was struggling in the Premier League with the physicality, just the quick tempo of 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 the style in the Premier League. It was the games in in Europe in the Champions League that stood out to me when I was watching him and you and you watch him and think you can tell there is a there is a very good player in there. There's a baller there somewhere. He just needs to like we said just Pull out those performances on a consistent basis, and if if we've got these these big games are coming up, FA Cups against City, Champions League, hopefully going through to the next round in the Champions League. What a better place for him to to really step up and go? I I'm an I'm another leader in this team, and I I can um, I can perform and and bring goals to this team. Yeah.
2: Next question comes in from um, from Manan. Assuming and hoping we make the semi-finals, who starts in the first leg of the semi-finals? Before I go to my guess, I feel this is an impossible question to answer because I feel after Everton, we also said, oh, this is our front three moving forward, and then it's changed again. Um, Michal, you know, subject to change, I guess?
0: Subject to everything. Subject to who we play, Mm -hmm. when the game is, when we actually make the semi-final, no one knows we're not even in the semi final we've got a second leg of a quarter final to play and the thing is when the time comes and if the time comes where we do reach the semi final that will be in a few more weeks where you know god forbid there could be a career ending injury there could be a big scuffle there could be players who've hit form or gone out of form so much can change in a matter of weeks and we know that and see that all the time in football from players going from being at the top of their game to just slumping players being frozen out to being Back in the start in 11. So it's impossible to say. You know, football changes so quickly. And the main thing is we're not even there yet. So, you know, we could expect to see maybe something similar from what we've seen in previous games, maybe from Crystal Palace, maybe from Porto. But at the end of the day, we're not in the semi final yet. We've got a job to do in the quarterfinals. Let's focus on the best team and the best start in 11 that will actually get us to the semi final first. And then we can focus on that chapter and that game once we get to it.
2: And off, Jack just nodding in agreement, right? Yes, yeah. final question, and this puts a big smile on my face. It comes in from Color Camarilla when are we making Mason Mount captain? Ah, oh, Jack, the boy, like, how can you not love him? This is a Mason Mount yeah. loving man. How can
1: you not love the boy? He's
2: he is Chelsea, he is Chelsea, yeah, he's and ch- he's so good, and he's he is a leader as well. He's 22 and he's already such a leader.
1: Yeah, Chelsea threw him through, and it's it's even more prominent the fact that he's he's one of one of one of our own and really represents the club. I think that's what helps fans really relate to him and then things that like we've gone on about just just the simple things like him pressing people that that's leadership skills there that's that's going to press people, getting the rest of your teammates to follow follow on from what you're doing, from how you're pressing, et cetera, getting the team up the pitch, things like that, that shows leadership skills without being loud, et cetera. And at the end of the day, this se- this season, when we've had tough moments and everyone's been struggling, it's always been him. That's the one that stood up, played well, put in big performances. I think of like performance against Fulham, picks up that goal. Um, and things like that and he just you just know that he if he stays at Chelsea for for a long time in his career then he he can definitely go on and be captain and I think some people are saying you could make him vice captain next year which I think is a great shout definitely um you wouldn't want to <laughs> depends what aspi does but you don't want to just strip it from him because he represents Chelsea as well and I think he's got the like seventh or sixth most appearances for us now, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, he's he he's quality. Uh, as we as everyone will know, we absolutely love the bloke. <laughs> yeah, Michelle, where do we
2: make a base about captain?
1: Hopefully soon, but I don't want to just play
0: Cedric I don't want to just play Thiago Silva. Um, you know, of course, we all want to see him wearing that armband. We've been lucky to see that in the FA Cup against Luton Town and Sheffield United. But he's definitely the future captain for when Aspi moves on, for when Silva eventually leaves and probably goes back to Brazil. And I see that happening maybe two to three years because Silva will be off by absolute latest next season. We know that. Aspilicueta is another question. And remember, they're already questioned about when his time would be up with Rhys James coming into the fold, stealing this spot. But as Aspilicueta, he's still playing well. He's still consistent. We are seeing some flaws of his game. I think even he would admit that. But he's still Chelsea standard. He's still out the quality to be playing. So if we're being optimistic, I would say maybe 2022-23 season, we could expect to see Mason at least join the captaincy team. But, you know, on a general thing, I would love to see him captain. Wouldn't we all? You know, seeing an academy product, be Chelsea captain at some, such a young age. We've seen that before, haven't we? John Terry, 2002-2004. And it would be brilliant to see that happen sooner Mason mounts.
2: Yeah, yeah, we, we
0: all love Mason Mount. We do,
2: you know, we do. He's just so good at this football thing, it, it's yeah. amazing. Who would have known? Um, right, yeah, that was that was fun. That was it's always nice when you talk about two wins. We're back in the top four as it stands. This is being recorded before Leicester play West Ham tomorrow. Uh, before we go, Nishal, thank you very much for coming on. It was a pleasure, pleasure having you on. Before you go, give yourself one last plug where people can follow you and your content.
0: You can find all of my work on nicholasblog.com. My articles, videos, podcasts like this—all of that will be on my website, on Nicholas Blog. And if you want to see more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at nicholas_sc. But thank you very much for having me on. Pleasure to be on the podcast today.
2: Yeah, it was a pleasure having you on. As for us, we're on Instagram I'm at Chelsea Pod on Twitter. At that Chelsea Podron, all your usual podcast platform providers. If you enjoy the show, feel free to leave us a rating and review. If you've come because you're a big fan of Charles content and you're just listening for us for the first time, then, hey, hopefully, you know, we've found some more listeners and you'll keep coming back to us um, because at the end of the day, we're all Chelsea fans talking about the one club that we love, which is Chelsea. And there's nothing better when you're discussing Chelsea wins with fellow Chelsea fans. And until the next episode everybody keep the blue flag flying high. Sports Social Podcast
1: Network.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty,